Sidekicks and henchmen out there in the Geek Nation, you're listening to and or also watching with your eyeballs, Spoiler Alert Podcast, the weekly conversation review show for the books that come out. The we- I'm doing great. Uh, books come out every week, and then we talk about them. That's what you're you're participating in with your ears and eyes, maybe. Who knows? I'm Johnny Destructo. With me this week is Brian. Brian. And Noel. Me and Len. What's up, y'all? How y'all doing? <laughs> uh, well, did did the did it throw you off during the intro while also staring at yourself? Is that what yes. it was? Yes. <laughs> well, I thought it was when you incorporated the watching part. Yeah. I thought it was like, oh. We're watching you watching us. Um. So how is so? All right. So what's happening right now? In case this is the far future and you're watching this. Uh, after the apocalypse, this is a period of time on the Earth where uh, we are confined to our homes, apparently, because of the COVID virus. And um, we're, we decided we're lonely and we thought we would set up this lovely little group chat so that we could do our show. Normally, we just record them in person, surrounding, you know, around the table in my comic shop, uh, Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, 4327 Main Street, Philadelphia, PA. And... Um, we just search throw up the, the search for it through the ruins. Yeah, yeah, go <laughs> go dig. But now we have video as well. We're probably going to throw it up on YouTube for no one to look at. But how are you guys Ooh. doing with uh, being trapped indoors? You Who know, to go first? doing all right. It's not the it's not the easiest. I do take little walks, you know, that kind of thing. I found that that was pretty helpful to my both physical and psychological well being while working from home. Yeah. Uh, I- you know, I feel try like to I avoid become, people. What's yeah, that? I feel like I will like to double back on or to piggyback on you. I feel like I've become an old man. Like my days are filled with like some work, uh, a cup of coffee, reading, and then a walk. And then that I sounds lovely. I fix yeah. it early. Are dinner. pigeons involved? Do you yeah. feed any geese or anything? You, you do so. Yes, if if they were around, but it's the it's the apocalypse. They're they're gone. Um, but you, <laughs> I've you, eaten them all. <laughs> you <laughs> ate all the geese. All the geese <laughs> and the pigeons. <laughs> You do all of these things, and then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I had dinner, and I've cleaned up everything. It's 545. <laughs> yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Len? Hey, pretty much the same. Well, actually, because I have recently moved, I actually took the opportunity to finish putting together a ton of furniture. Um, so I have um, got my bedroom together, pretty much my living room together. I have my new podcast table together that so far only two people have used but they enjoyed themselves so that's what's cool um so i'm trying to be stay productive but you're right it's a lot of walks um back and forth to the store it was like oh well i'll go pick up some milk today i guess um i did find out that the cheesecake factory delivers Uh (laughs) yeah we were testing this last night and he was just like 
<laughs> we were testing it last night, but it didn't matter because it still took us an hour and a half to set it up. <laughs> God damn it. Um, on my end, I am constantly struggling to make income because the comic shop is my only income, um, as well as like commissions and artwork and stuff that I sell. Uh, and so for a while there, it was not so bad because I was just doing mail outs and what are they called? Curbside pickups. But, uh, now and I, we're able to go back and forth as much as I want, but now we're doing this thing. What's it called? Uh, shelter in place, shelter in place. So I think I'm still going to go to the shop because that's just another one of my shelters where I'm just in there by myself and I'm still going to get the books and hopefully get them for my subscribers and do a bunch of mail outs Fingers crossed. Um, people have been very kind in asking for uh, gift cards for the future. Like, hey, give me a $100 gift card and I'll come spend it when everything calms down. Or, hey, can you mail me my books? And you have one of the only kinds of businesses where that is feasible. You know, there's a lot of stores where somebody would need to go in and decide what they want. Whereas, yeah, that's window shopping or browsing, yeah. Yeah, whereas at least with you, you know, a lot of people already know what they want. Obviously, you always make some on people picking up something that they didn't expect but even that you can see everything that came out that that week online and just say hey jd jd can you get me one of these which is For lucky sure. yeah. yeah yeah there's a lot of other businesses on my street that are just little tchotchke joints um yeah. like small town businesses that you just kind of go in your browse and um you just kind of pick stuff up um, yeah. so at least i'm i'm lucky enough to have subscribers um yeah, also the other thing i'm offering is um appointments for FaceTiming with people. So if people do want to browse, I will walk them through the store yeah. and say, oh, here's, you know, check out these trade paperbacks. What kind of stuff do you like? And still have some sort of experience with a customer. That's a good so, idea. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, I'm just 30 seconds away from a panic attack at any given time. Wait, can you set up one of those? Um, can you set up yeah, a panic can you set attack? Up a pan just so it comes at a convenient time? You want to time? schedule one, like a FaceTime panic attack? Yeah, but what don't worry too much about when it's going to be, because then there'll be another panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, panic is it's just ex experiencing it twice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wonder if you could set up one of those things where it's kind of like a live, you know, like a live feed where people can can comment on, you know, type in different things, and like a oh, Wednesday. Like a Facebook would, Live. Yeah, like a Facebook yeah. Live. And then it was kind of like... You know, a group of people in your store at one time looking around. Or you're just there available for oh, a day. A yeah. I'll try yeah. That. Wednesday, comic book day, meet up. Yeah, as people come and go, you know, you're just, you're available the whole time. Actually, and then they say, hey, what about this? And then they leave and another yeah, person comes in. That's not an awful idea. You could set it up to your computer to actually see you putting the comics. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, the way I phrased that, like, way to go, Brian. Brian, usually, you're fucking stupid. But as of right now, that was a decent idea. Let me make it better. Um, <laughs> what you could do, like, actually, that's a great idea. What you could do is you could set your camera up to show the new comic rack and, like, just let people keep looking at it all day or. Or like, hey, can you grab me that? Can you grab me that? On the chat. I think that would actually be a really great idea. Brian, it's a great idea. Thank you, Noel. Thank God. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we talk about this week's books? No, we shouldn't. We're going to wait on that because we have letters. We have letters? We have letters? Oh, we have lots and lots and lots and lots of letters. It's, somehow it's worse in video. I don't know why. I wouldn't say worse, just... 
That's bad. So, um, if you are longtime listeners to Spoiler Alert, one of my previous get, uh, co-hosts was Rob Patey, Optimus Douche, and he wrote us in. Uh, here's an email if you need fodder. Can you think of the last time Batman really figured something out? I think back to the Snyder run and King in the beginning. Not one fucking mystery or one where the clues in the story lead to the conclusion instead of a red herring. Identity crisis? He did hmm. piece stuff together in Identity Crisis. That was a while ago. Also, uh, Batman's yeah. Grave. Like, the first two issues were actual detective work, and then it was just all fight scenes. That's true. Yeah, we were we weren't that. super into exactly how it was presented, but it was detective work. Like, that was the whole thrust of the story. So anybody who hasn't read Bat- Batman's Grave by Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch, they, uh, Warren Ellis has been doing a thing with the Bat character, the Bruce, the Bruce Man is his name, right? And um, he'll go through a crime scene and f- figure it out as if he is the person who has been murdered, right? I think, or yeah. as the person that is doing the murdering, I believe. Yeah. No, I think, I th- like, no, it's the, the, the victim. The murderer. Was it yeah. the victim? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So he, like, hangs out in the brain space of the victim trying to figure out uh, how he died or she died. So, um, yeah. That counts. I'll count that. I seem to remember, I think, and I'd have to look back to be sure. I think he does a little bit of detective work in um, uh, Batman White Knight as well. I think he's a little. I haven't finished it yet. I think it's a little bit more cerebral. Spoiler, no. <laughs> Wait, he was a detective in Batman White Knight? <laughs> I haven't finished it. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> you know what? I feel like that's Batman overall right it's like i don't think it's that easy to write a detective story like a good mystery and um it's certainly not my genre like outside of say i know sherlock holmes and that kind of thing but comics writers people that are writing superheroes are not necessarily going to be the best mystery writers and i feel like batman very often kind of becomes more like he's the world's greatest detective by reputation to us I would, I would, uh, like argue, or I would agree and disagree saying that Uh he's no longer like the world's greatest detective. It's actually, he's now the world's greatest tactician because even, even like online, you're like all those stupid, like who would win Batman or blah. Well, if he's got enough time to plan it, he could fucking take out anything. Like it's no, they no longer write a detective. They just write somebody who's smarter than the next page. And it's sometimes it's really boring. Sometimes it's fun. Yeah, it's it's boiled down to aha, but I thought of that already. Right. Yeah, that's what that's what pissed me off about the new what designer character. It's just like, well, I thought about what you thought about. Well, I thought about further about what you thought about when I thought about it first. Like that's mm-hmm. stupid. Yeah. Any anything else? Any other detectivings? The the only thing I will say is that in uh, response to Batman not really being the still being the world's greatest detective by name only. You know, when you really think about it, to to B's point, it's hard to write detective stories, and which is why even Sherlock Holmes stories now pretty much are just he's he's just as smart as the the next page needs him to be. Or James Bond movies, he's the world's greatest spy, yet everybody sees him coming. They's like, hello, Mr. Bond. The second he walks into the room, he's always getting caught. He never catches anybody, uh, you know, um, you know, gets the drop on anybody, but he's just the world's best because 
the story said so. You know what I mean? One of his catchphrases is his own name for being a spy. <laughs> I always thought that growing up because they would send him in to be like undercover and he would literally just be like, yeah, I'm James Bond. What's up? I'm here to do some undercover right. shit. Yeah. Right. But I'm exactly. wearing a tux. So. Yeah, I'm, 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 wearing a, I'm wearing a tux here in, in Brooklyn. How y'all doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you so much, Rob Patey, for writing us in. Uh, we appreciate the fodder. Uh, Artemis and the Assassin number one came out this week, written by Stephanie Phillips, art by Megan Hetrick and Francesca Fantini. Diamond has this to say, what happens when a time-traveling assassin and a spy from 1944 try to kill each other? What'd you guys think? Well, first of all, I think you should give some props to exactly the publisher that put out the book. Oh, oh who's who is it? Aftershock. Aftershock. I'm just saying, it's good to, to say that, to give the, because it's not... We don't want people to think that we only do Marvel and in DC yeah. and then maybe pick up an image or, or something like that. No, we do get into the independence as well. Mm-hmm. Are you, have you guys, have, uh, before we get into this book, have you guys read any Aftershock recently? Or I don't think so. I think I, I read. Go ahead. No, I think I have. I'm about to look them up to see what they've done because I think I have read something else by them. There was, there's been a bunch of stuff that I've tried the first issue of, but the only thing that I've read more than that is Baby Teeth. And to be completely honest, before we start talking about this book, it might still, it might remain Baby Teeth after this issue. Yeah, tell me why. Um, it just didn't really do anything for me. It felt like the, the entire issue felt like a cold open, and it didn't entice me. Like, okay, we have a a, a setup of a time traveling futuristic archer that goes back in time or to different periods to assassinate someone. Mm-hmm. And each one that we kind of saw was a um, historical figure. So it really, all it did was give me a premise, not really any kind of setup. So Although, interestingly, not, not uh, people you would tend to think of as being on the same side, you know, like yeah, one of them was Rasputin and then also this, uh, I don't know if she's a real person or not, but the the rebel fighter, you know, the French there is fighting against there is, Germany. Yeah, there's, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no clear good guy or bad guy. Right. Target, so you think somebody that's going to kill one of those wouldn't want to kill the other one. <laughs> I thought that was an interesting idea. Well, that, yeah, that's what that's what sort of brought me into it is like, oh, OK, there's an assassin. She goes back in time. She kills Rasputin. And that's kind of cool. Uh, but then the fact that she's coming for this other woman who seems like she's on the good side. I don't know why I'm air quoting. It's the Nazis. No, that's the she's good definitely side. on yeah. the good side. Yeah. <laughs> both, sides. Good people on both sides. Literally, she's the good one. Um, but I appreciate so your, you know, that, that, that impulse. Well, I think though, I think. really a stance that is very controversial. Um, <laughs> but uh, we don't know. Although, is she really there to kill her? Oh, not or, necessarily. You know it's a good mean, point, JD. Sometimes cliffhangers to... turn out differently than they at first appear. <gasps> <laughs> it's, as though, it's as though you've read comics once before. <laughs> and did you read this? I did read um, this book, Artemis and the Archer. That's the name of it, right? Assassin. Artemis oh, and the Assassin. 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 It's yeah. much more dangerous than you think, then. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yes, because I, I, I felt my life slowly slipping away as I read this book. Um, <laughs> 
no, it's not. It's not for lack of trying. I understand the premise is kind of interesting. I just don't think the writing of it was well mm. done. I just don't think it got it over. The art was into. The art was cool enough. You know what I, I mean? I like Megan Hedrick quite a bit. I, I like it. It, it. it looked a little sketchy in some areas, but I think that was just more of a stylistic choice for the most part. I like the art, um, but the writing I felt was just very. I don't know. Just, just didn't drag me. It just felt very like uh, boring. Like there was like one <laughs> one moment the person literally said, "I said it literally two panels before she said it." She says, "Who do you need me to kill?" I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, are we really? Is this really in this book? Y'all couldn't y'all couldn't think of anything else in this in this comic? Um, so a little formulaic. Yeah, you know. So yeah. and it's and not I, captivating. And I wanted it to be more because you know. Not for nothing, especially as where we talk about how it's always great to, you know, you want to, you know, big up for um, indies. indies as well as um, um, female creators in this space, you mm -hmm. know, and this book has, uh, I believe, by the names of female writer and artists. Yeah. So, you know, you want colorist. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to cape up for it. But it, at the end of the day, I got I got to call it for how I see it. And I just thought the the writing was very was very rote. Um, and speaking about Aftershock, I was looking through it and I knew there was another book. I I just forgot that it was Aftershock. Um, Jimmy's Bastards is. Uh, oh, uh, I want to try that. Yeah, is Aftershock. Yeah, and that's a that's a fun book. I need the. I it's, see they've got the complete collection out. I need, I need to grab that. I was going to ask, is that done? I would yes. go back. Yeah, I believe I want to say that there's either a sequel coming or has already happened. And the premise is basically, since we were talking about 007 earlier, the premise is basically 007 goes around having sex with all of these Bond women mm -hmm. and then uh, has just litters of kids all over the globe. Yes. And I, I believe all of them are teaming up to kill him. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Very Garth uh, oh, sort of plot. <laughs> but a fun this book. This uh, was one of two books this week I felt that the backup story was better than the main story. Oh, like. Yeah? I enjoyed that. Like, I liked her thing about training. You know, I thought that was cool where the guy's like, what do you see? And, you know, the one the one person I see this, but she says only the target. I thought it was cooler. I thought the art was cooler. It was very oh, short. Really? But, yeah. uh, after reading both uh, the issue and the backup, one of the first thoughts I had was, why wasn't this just kind of interspersed in just the, the main story yeah. no i mean like it could even just be like two artists tackling one issue uh, yeah. and then showing past yeah, and, yeah. and the current because i would be more invested in yeah. what's happening in the book if i saw a little bit about this person maybe yeah. i don't know it's it's armchair quarterbacking at this point though like there was just something i mean a that's little... the whole show <laughs> it's true <laughs> um, the art the art is fantastic but it's just like of the uh, other than it being a kind of a cool premise, there was really nothing else for me besides the art to kind of hang on to. Yeah. Yo, how about this uh, energy bow and arrow? That shit's always cool when somebody's got one of those that mm -hmm. you just draw it back and it shoots an energy, like that Reminds old Dungeons of... and Dragons cartoon. Ah, that's yeah. what I say, Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was dope. It, it, you were right, JD. Was it, it was dope? dope? It was in dope. retrospect dope. In retrospect, after so many years. Captain America number 20, written by Ta-Nehisi Coates, art by Bob Quinn. Diamond has this to say, all die young. The ramp up to Cap 25 begins. The That's it. I would have thought it began with number one, but I don't know numbers. <laughs>
Um, I and I'm the only one that's currently reading this book, like since Jump, right? We yes. talked about uh, this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and I kind of asked you guys to put this a l- on the on the docket for today because I really wanted you to jump on a new arc, even though this probably wasn't the best entry point. However, I've be- become a really big fan of this artist, so I was wondering what you guys thought. Bob Quinn, uh, he's been doing a lot of like fill-in stuff here and there, but uh, I guess he does a lot of stuff with Dynamite. Um, but I-, I really, really enjoy it. So I was wondering what you guys thought and how much you hated it or not. I thought it was great. Uh, I really liked it, and I took particular note of how the artist does when they're doing these like interviews with the local people in this town, the shifting between kind of upset to very quickly, like genuine irrational anger. And then out of that again, I thought it was deft. Yeah. Uh, like it was really well done and enraged me, but in a way that they wanted yeah. to enrage, you know? Yeah. I like the, the, the art is, is, is cool enough. Um, I didn't like hate the art. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that page right there, that, as Noel just showed, that that was nice um, acting shown in the artwork. Um, it's not, it's not bad. It, it's cool. At the end of the day, um, and I'm a, I'm a Captain America fan, and I want, and I want, I want to be there with you, Noel. I really want to be there, the rah rah for this Captain America. I'm about um, to flip my desk. I'm gonna flip it. Flip it, flip it, bro. Flip it. Gonna hurt you, know. Because I want, I want to ride with you, Noel. I want to ride with with Captain America, and of course, I want to ride with Tanahasi Coates. But I just, I just, I, I, it's just not. I don't care. I'm like, I, I, <laughs> like, like they took they took Sharon Carter's soul, I, but yet she's still in the book. I'm like, can we get rid of Sharon Carter, please? You know what well, I mean? Not, we've got Sharon Carter and Peggy Carter. Yeah, and What's the older about? one looks younger than the younger one. Well, that's yeah. because they, I'm assuming it's because they took Sharon's soul. That's, oh. no. No, oh. no, no, they they aged up Sharon Carter back in the Remender run when she came back from Dimension Z, and she was older right. than than a. Uh, and she hasn't been de-aged. Like Cap has been wow. de-aged, and they're that still sucks. dating. So it's like a. But here's, it, but here's the thing. Romance. The book even says Sharon Carter basically says, "Yo, y'all had to come save me again," which means she's getting on her own damn nerves. So why don't they just get <laughs> get rid I mean, of her? So so um, I want to say like ten issues ago, we found out that this mysterious female character of Dyad, who was part of the Lady Liberty Liberty the Diamond the Daughters, Daughters of, of Liberation, Liberty. yeah, um, was a reborn or brought back Peggy Carter. Right. And it was a secret to Steve this whole time up until like an issue ago. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they're kind of setting up a thing where Peggy is thrown off and you mean Sharon or, is sorry, not Peggy. Like Sharon is thrown off. Peggy comes back. However, the way that they keep writing Peggy and Steve, it's just it, it would be a, it would be very weird if he just like hooked up with Peggy after essentially being engaged and and sticking around with Sharon for much longer than him and Peggy were ever a thing. Yeah, but it happens in comics all the time. Plus, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I also like. I don't know. There was certain aspects like Misty Knight comes off like a little bit of a of a, a, a seems like a little dumb in this in this issue. Um, 
I don't, I don't know. It's, it, I'm sorry, no. It's just not <laughs> grabbing me. It's fine. It's, I, I look. I've got a lot. Like mileage varies with me on this book because I've been reading it since the first issue. And to be completely fair, I stockpiled like issues two through eight because it didn't feel like a like a very uh, urgent thing to read. Mm-hmm. But then. Over one weekend, I just plowed through all of them, and I realized that it was a much it was a much slower kind of novel style story he was telling. So it didn't really lend very well to like chapter a month. Also, too, this isn't double shipping like every other Marvel book, so it feels like it's less <laughs> um, urgent. Right, like it's right. it's slowly coming out. So I I do agree that this will probably read a lot better in trade or in a larger collection, which I think he's been writing for it was a problem with his um black it has panther? been a problem with his black panther run yeah that's true. like it feels yeah. it feels very dense and it feels very like segmented but when you read them in like a larger chunk like i read the first like 12 issues of black panther in, in a sitting i was like oh this is actually quite nice so yeah. I, I really do think it's just more of a maybe it's more of like a bug or feature depending on how you take in his work well he started as a novelist right like yes. that yeah. was how he Fairly, hit yeah. the scene so yeah. that well, might and just a journalist. be <clears throat> well, journalist. Oh, right, right, right. He was a journalist first, then a novelist, now a comic book writer. Okay, but as far as at least as far as fiction goes, I don't, I, I don't have any theory as to like how the journalism thing would play into it. But I think this is his only fiction, isn't it? Like his uh, novels yeah. have been. Yeah, his, his novels, his novels have been. More like, been I thought like, they were like, novels. Semi-autobiographical, right? Yeah. Well, but narrative. You know, I mean, story. I don't know the. I don't know what kind of novel he's written, but whatever they are, they're like a narrative kind of. Restructured as a novel is my understanding, so that might be why having transitioned to comics, but he still has similar sensibilities, and so he tells a story that works better in you know a, a fullness that kind of. I way. love I like whether the issue works or not, and and there's been like good ones and bad ones. I love his version of Steve because <laughs> it's it's um it's a crotchety older man, <laughs> but and he's doubtful but he's still very like true North. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he writes them really, really well, like really well. There was a, a couple issues back. There was an issue where almost all the dialogue was just his internal monologue of, of a fight scene and how it was a, it was like a get off my lawn kind of conversation, but it also was a being very in the moment. It was, it was mm-hmm. really nice. I, I really, I really, really liked his version of Steve. Um, <clears throat> there's a sequence in here where there is a Midwestern fella talking to the the press, right? There's a news thing going on and he's talking about his daddy and, you know, how his daddy grew up and sh- pick yourselves up by the bootstraps and all that sort of stuff. Uh. It felt a little over the top for me. Um, it felt a little bit like, um, Garth Ennis and Preacher would every so often dip into a character monologuing. Uh, and those always felt very broad and sort of cartoonish in their representations, I always liked it because <clears throat> Garth Ennis is that sort of writer. It's always very broad and very cartoonish. That's just how he does most things, except for his war stories. Those are a little bit more grounded. And so that felt like this to me. It was a little over the top, but um, the rest of it I enjoyed. Uh, I'm still trying to piece together what exactly is happening in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll, eventually, I'll pro- just because I like Ta-Nehisi Coates, I've read one of his novels and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'll probably go back and try this again in a larger format like a trade paperback or maybe a hardcover or something but um it's not great to just jump in on for uh for those interested uh i think the first 12 are about to be collected in a hardcover 
Mm-hmm. which you can purchase directly from Johnny Destructor's Hero Complex. Just message him, and I'm sure he'll mail it out. Everything will be great. You are correct. Yeah. Oh, but there is some stuff in here I do like. We've got um, Cap uh, and Steve – I'm sorry, Steve and Sam and um, who? I guess it's Bucky. They're yeah. using um, image inducers to look like regular people. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of fun to – have them look like that, but then speak like the characters. Um, I like basically when um, Sam calls Bucky fam, like fam. Kind of <laughs> yeah, gives him a look like, like, what? Yeah, what was it? Um, Falcon was like, this feels really weird. What the hell are we doing working on a farm? Does this feel weird for anybody? He's like, oh, we're, we're working. We're not working for free. We're working for room and board. And he's like, dude. Mm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> this, this image producer uh, notwithstanding, I ain't yeah, cool like, with this. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, also, I mean, he didn't get an image inducer to look like a different, uh, like he's a white guy. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, they're the only people that are welcome on this particular farm. It's definitely the undertone that I got. Um, yes, most definitely. <laughs> yeah. Most definitely. Yeah, th- I mean, uh, what he's going for, what he, what the story is alluding to as far as especially middle America is a little on the nose. Um but it's rife for you know dissecting. So I, I I will say that it's it's interesting. It's interesting. It's just it's just that overall it's a package that didn't hit me. But like Noel said, it, maybe it reads better all together. Maybe yeah. once we get to twenty five, we'll check it out all together. Well, this is building up to issue twenty five, Len. So actually, yeah. <laughs> I think I think he's gonna I think he's gonna bolt at twenty five. Maybe it'll be a nice little tight twenty five issue run. <laughs> I mean, I like that broadness, JD, that you had mentioned. Like, I I can't find the thing, but I think I know which passages you're talking about. Yeah. And I liked how sort of on the nose it was. I I thought it worked, you know, and I couldn't say why. But he's definitely making commentary. It's not just regular superheroing. He's also adding in some commentary in between the the panels. So I actually I usually enjoy that. I liked Mm. uh, commenting on what's happening in the world around us. I think that's a. That's part of what's great about comics is that you can yeah, either go to sure. them for um, uh, escapism or you mm-hmm. can go to them to help deal with things that are happening in current events. And they're perfect for both of those things. Also, another thing that kind of like like bothered me is that Alex Ross cover is really weak. It's a... Re- Oh, oh this is Alex Ross. Ross. Like me myself, I, I'm I am still a fan of Alex Ross' work, right? I li- yeah. I I like Alex Ross. I even have apologized for some of his more staged, uh, sequential work that he has done, and he has I, now uh, is bordering on about three or four years, been doing a ton of covers for Marvel. Um, and he's been on Captain America for for quite some time, and I he, he's he's lately gotten to a very stylized, I think, kind of like for him minimalist type of yeah. vibe, and this one just takes the cake. I mean, this is just boring. I mean, I'm not going. Oh. You can't knock. You can't knock the artistry itself. The man can draw. The man can draw his butt off. But the the I I I just think that the whole design work, the layout of it is just very slap 
together and just does not pull me in at all. Does not sell this. Well, book he's well. still he's still doing his usual um, uh, watercolor techniques, but then he's also laying on top of that this sort of he's, pop art. Sensibility. Yeah, that's his whole vibe now. This this pop art thing. He's been into for a yeah. so, love couple. Of I years. prefer this. Oh, so I'm like hot take. I'm not a giant fan of Alex Ross. So uh-huh. I I almost prefer this kind of uh, pop art kind of wild layout over some of the earlier covers that he had of just essentially he could have. So the problem I have with some of the covers is that he could have drawn that 45 years ago and it doesn't really like represent what the character is like now. True. It's just it's the same static version that he wants to do, which yeah. is to each his own beautiful in its own right. But it just never, it always feels like a stock picture of something he might've done 10 mm-hmm. years ago. Right. Like uh, here's a uh, fact about it. I saw a Carmine Infantino once at the Philly Comic Con one year. And, you and he was talking about. Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, do you want to do a high five? No. There you go. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's why I can't high five through a Skype. It's a very strong beer. <laughs> um,. And uh, somebody brought up, or in some way he got onto the the Alex Ross did a version of the Superman Spider Man cover. You know that yes cover mm-hmm. of that. I've seen it. And yeah, and uh, they, somebody brought it up, and <laughs> Infantino was like not having it at all. He was he was like had been pissed for a long time about. He was like, no, that's my cover. I drew that. And wow, then this Alex not. Ross guy comes around. Did he? Not, or maybe he didn't draw it. Or maybe he it wasn't coming. He he edited. It. He didn't draw it. The, the, um, the, that cover was drawn by Neil, Neil Adams. Adams. Well, Neil Adams read uh, inked it, but he wasn't the original artist. The artist, oh god, was it Ross mm. Andrew? It may have been Ross Andrew. Um, Who's got Peter in front of them? Oh, how could we look up some information? <laughs> if only Brandon was here. <laughs> You're right, because neither of us still reach for the computer. Um, <laughs> yeah, who is this? This isn't Neil Adams. You're right. I thought it was Neil Adams. This no, is um... Neil Adams inked it, and and it specifically <laughs> inked over Superman on that picture. Cover art by Carmine Infantino. Ah, what's yeah. it, Carmine? Uh, oh, he did, okay. Here we go. This one layout. Yeah, he did the layout. Ross Andrew did finishes and you. pencils. Told you it was ah. Ross Andrew. Told you. Well. So Carmine Infantino must have felt some ownership of it as well because he okay, was not happy enough. about it. Fair well, the, the layouts is essentially everything but the finishes. So like he, yeah. he that's true. Up, that's true. He, stayed, he set the stage completely, yeah, and then yeah. someone else came in and added all the. Details. I I also personally asked him, did you want to have the flashes yellow be more like gold, like a metal, but you couldn't do it in those days, like printing wise? And he was like, no, absolutely not. I wanted yellow ah. and red, and that's nice. what I like. Yeah, yeah. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, but no, Carmen I, I agree about the Alex Ross stuff, though. Um, I like that he's trying something new, but it's not really grabbing me. If I you... kind of like it. The one place I don't is right under the title. Whoever this woman is, her like where her head goes Sin? over top of the yellow. Who is that? Isn't that Sin? No, it's Peggy. Oh. That's, that's Peggy. Peggy. Oh, yeah. Peggy's got that hood. Yeah, but that's Peggy. Peggy. It's oh, Peggy. All right. These are all the good guys on the cover. Yeah. I guess that is a hood, but it it just doesn't... For me, it looks cut out. 
Whereas, for whatever reason, like the the shield from Captain America going over that same circle doesn't so, look cut out. To, to my point, in this book, he hasn't worn the classic Captain America outfit in like ten issues. Oh, of course. So yeah, yeah. I was surprised when he put on the outfit and it was his like. It's the uh, Steve Rogers, Super Soldier Super Soldier or, costume. Yeah, what was and he, he yeah. literally just got the shield back. He had been using the uh, like Nomad hologram shield for a while. Oh, weird. Yeah. All right. Where was the shield? Uh, he put it up. So like there was a lot of things right. happening, and he no longer wanted to be or trusted that he could be Captain if, America anymore. If you want to see uh, Alex utilize this whole pop art thing and it works, at least for me. Um, if you bought his his most recent, you know, art book that he put out there, Marvelocity, um, in there he has a whole section of a pitch of the Fantastic Four rev- uh, revamp that he was going to do, which mm. took in this whole aesthetic of the pop art. Um, uh, and it's, it's wild colors and, and everything like that. It really looks cool. They actually took a segment of it and it's they used it for a story in the most recent issue of Back Issue Magazine. It's actually the cover of it. Uh, one of the images is the, the cover. And there you can see the, his whole pop art feel over his kind of like, you know, a little bit more human looking Kirby depictions of the Fantastic Four. It worked and it worked mm. real, real well. Um, and everything else I've seen him do it is it's just not it's just not hitting for me. All right, Captain Marvel number sixteen, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Lee Garbett. The Last Avenger conclusion. It all comes down to Captain Marvel versus Vox Supreme. Since discovering her Cree heritage, Carol Danvers has struggled to re- reconcile her human and her alien sides. Now she must fight for both, or lose everything. But Earth's mightiest hero has a new plan. Will the power of the Avengers be enough to save the world? Yeah. Wait, is she now known as Earth's mightiest hero? Like she yeah. is the quintessential Avenger? Yep. I mean, she's the All most right. powerful, isn't she? Is yeah. she? I mean, she is in the MCU, but is she also in the Marvel 616? I universe? think they I think I've read somewhere where they more or less have stated that she is the most powerful person in Marvel. Mm. Like even yeah, she, like for a long time it was you know more or less Thor and like yeah I've heard it's her. Yes. Now. So she's she's not unlike the Hulk where it's just like an unlimited potential kind of thing but uh, she doesn't always tap into it. So it's right, the kind right. of thing where if she just constantly keeps absorbing energy then she could be the Oh, she's yeah. she's like that. Is I didn't it? realize that that was her power source was just infinitely absorbable. Um, Plus, also, if it's the case in the MCU, it'll become the case in the comics. You know, if as long as it's popular there, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, What did you guys think of this? So, like, wait, hang on. Um, JD, you and I have had this conversation before where we love the character, but like the books themselves never really kind of like uh, we're always looking for like a a story that like drags us in or that like it's, it's weird. Like she's always been, she's for me, she's always kind of had that. Punisher vibe where like I prefer her as a side character or jumps into a larger book uh, but yeah. when I start following her alone it's just like I, I lose it um, so with that said I actually really enjoyed this arc 
a lot. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Um, my Carol Danvers history is I didn't really have a Captain Marvel story that I could really cling on to and be like, hey, here's a Captain Marvel story. Life of Captain Marvel was a four or five issue miniseries that came out maybe a year or two ago. And I really enjoyed that. And that became my go to Captain Marvel uh, story. And then directly after that started this main ongoing and the first storyline where the women were all stuck together in like a subsection of New York uh, with a dome and time worked differently there. And there was a guy who's like, I guess he's an old Silver Age villain named Machismo or Machismo or something. Mm. And his whole thing was he wanted to subjugate women. And then the strongest of all the women gets to be his bride. I thought it was a little bit on the nose. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Um, I don't have a problem with that, but it did feel a little on the nose. And then after that, there were a couple of issues, I think, which dealt with the War of Realms, and I thought they were just fine. <laughs> and then after that, with Star, the introduction of Star, that's where I think that this series really started kicking the high gear. Uh, I liked that series. I'm sorry, not series, but storyline. And then I'm really enjoying Star's miniseries, mm -hmm. which is going on right now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to really enjoy. I think this, this series is getting better as it goes. Yeah, this uh, this arc, I think it kicked off in like issue twelve, was mm -hmm. has just been super fun. It's like a a great little standalone of her having to take out every single Avenger, and then you start to slowly learn why she has to be a bad guy, mm -hmm. uh, and then it just culminates here. And I had heard that this was supposed to be a seminal issue because uh, it's Legacy one fifty, mm -hmm. and the only thing I could think of is that you know spoilers she picks up the hammer, right? Well, and I guess she solved whatever the main, like it seemed like she no, dealt with the overarching problem. I mean, if we're, if we're talking about like for speculator purposes, why no, this would right, be an important right. issue? It's the first time that she's picked up Mjolnir. I don't think she's ever done that before. And and there's the fact that she was only able that she was even able to is because she also had like yeah, it wasn't even really her. Like her, as soon right. as she was back to herself, yeah. it fell she down. Was an amount yeah, of, you know. But still, it's it's, yeah. it's like in the annals of history for pop culture, if it's ever like True. when was the first time that Captain Marvel ever picked up Mjolnir, because I'm sure it's going to happen again. Right. And called it to her, not just picked it up, summoned yeah. it. Yeah, and yeah, I like Thor's like, wait, where are you going, Hammer? Oh, she needs your help? All right, go ahead. Yeah. Although I was a little, I mean, I'm willing to buy it, but I was like, wait, that lets you pick up Thor's Hammer if you just have some of his DNA? I thought it was a worthiness thing. I mean. Yeah, I thought that as well. Yeah, because it's written on. It's written right on the hammer. Yeah. Um, but, but I, so I liked it. <laughs> What's that, Noel? Does it know the difference? Like, if it's a this good question. I mean, apparently it doesn't. Genetically, I mean, it, this it one is also right? I, I mean, she may also just be worthy. You know, she's yeah. she's a noble warrior. You know. Or, Either way, that's the only or, thing I can think of. Being. Or maybe Luthor wrote on the side of it with his magic sharpie. Possible. <laughs> it's possible. Black. I get that reference. <laughs> um, it, so I have not read any of these before this. So it was, I liked it. I thought it was cool, but I definitely felt a little, a little hampered in my experience by having no idea what had happened. Yeah. I happened to have read a review that saw like some on some website about it. So I had like a little bit of framework, not thinking that I was going to read it. Um, it. Like, I don't know who Vox is. I know who the Supreme Intelligence Ooh. is, but I was like, what if, you know, it's fine. Um, is she wearing a symbiote? Is that happening? A, a little bit. A little Go bit. Ahead. Okay. But yeah, it was cool. Uh, it was enjoyable. It was a good thing. I never really, 
was too interested in her as a character, but then when she became Captain Marvel, you know, now she's the primary, you know, I find her more interesting, although I haven't read that much of her stuff. Oh, and I always like a good, you know, Starscape person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So they're always fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When either like their skin or their shadows. A Starscape Uh, person. uh, Yes. (laughs) What is her name? She's lovely. She, she, um. Blue? Blue, I believe. Well, she calls it Blue, but she has a different, she has a name. Oh, I see. Um, but she showed up, I think, in A Force. Oh. During um, uh, what was that called? Secret Wars, and all all of the different um parts of of the New World had their own little miniseries. A Force was like the female Avengers team, and that's oh. where she comes from. And she's like, she reminds me a little bit of Gabby. Um. Oh shoot, X twenty three's little sister. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, Honey Badger. Honey Badger. Honey Badger. Yeah, she reminds me of her. She's very like flighty and happy and like excited to be a part of whatever even though she's this cosmic being um i really like her i like the team that she's put together here where she's got hazmat uh marvel um blue and um who are a couple of the other ones oh wasn't it um black panther yeah but that's not really her team but she uh, it's been a lot of fun um i like it together i like b i haven't read any of this book before but it was fun um it was cool. I, unlike the rest of you, it appears, I've always had a soft spot for Carol Danvers. So I'm, like, oh, yeah, I've, I've, I've always liked her. I have her. too. I don't know why. I think it's because I was first introduced to her um, from way, way back in the Avengers when George Perez was drawing it, and he's my favorite artist. Mm. So he could sell anybody to me. So he sold me on on Ms. Marvel at the time. So mm. Carol Danvers, she was. She was my chick. Mm-hmm. And then and and back then, I think um either there in Avengers or Captain America around that time and not long afterwards, they hinted at her having like a relationship with Captain America because of her respect for him. And then she was Jessica Jones' best best friend. Um so I I love Carol Danvers. So and seeing I like her, when she was dating Peter, Peter Parker for like three issues. She yeah. was dating Spider Man? Okay. Yeah. Went on like two dates, right? In Avenging, I think it was Avenging Spider-Man or something. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. I didn't, I didn't read it, but I do remember hearing about that, and that sounded cool. I'm fighting mostly to like jump over to my shelf and grab like the the Miss Marvel stuff that I love, like because I've loved the character forever, but for some reason it's always been a part of a team book. True, it's never been her. It's never been her um, her standalone because even when they when they launched. Miss or uh, Captain Marvel with uh, Jamie McKelvey design, and I was super excited for that book. I didn't like it. Like the Dexter mm-hmm. Soy art was just not. Oh, for I me. really did not like that digital mm-hmm. painted art. It was very dark, very muddy. Yeah. See, I always and- mostly knew her as the person who hadn't been around in a while, but is where Rogue got her powers. Well, for a while, you know, that's like, what she, her deal was. That's true. And I think also, that's like when I came on to the comic scene in life was like what her deal was at that time. And it was an extended time. So I never really, she always had more of the, the feel of like somebody who wasn't around anymore. Yeah. And, but was important to Rogue, you know, like that kind of thing. Same. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really glow on to her until after house of X, house of M. Mm, yeah. Yeah. What'd you guys think of this issue? I, I really like the, um, yeah. so I've seen, I've seen titterings online. Brian. Oh, titterings. Yes. What? Um, so usually you do a little hee <laughs> hee. <laughs> that's it titterings online uh about how um captain marvel uh is not 
drawn pretty enough and she doesn't smile enough and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, always going after the actress for the same thing. And then I've seen recently the Hulk, the She-Hulk version from Avengers, Jason Aaron's, who's a much broader um, hulky character. Um, it's not sexy enough. And they really want the old She-Hulk who was sexy. And uh, I like that they doubled down, tripled down quadrupled down on it in this one and they they made her fucking disgusting i mean i thought the scenes where she's vomiting and has other faces coming out of her were (laughs) it was awesome it's not everybody's cup of tea sure (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i thought that was really cool like oh you know she's not pretty enough she doesn't smile enough here now she's a fucking nightmare machine (laughs) (laughs) well i think yeah i I agree but to be fair i'm sorry go ahead no go 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 well, I agree, but to be fair, like I got a, I got a whole other uh, defense and bone to pick when it comes to uh, She-Hulk in the Avengers because that, like, those conversations piss me the fuck off. That everyone's bitching about what she looks like now. But Lee Gabret, or Gabret, I, I don't know how to say his name. The, the artist, Garbit. Garbit, sorry. Um, like two issues ago, the way that they drew She-Hulk was awful. Like she looked like the side of a house, <laughs> which is not how Ed McGinnis has been drawing her and how she's actually supposed to look just like a hulked out version of Jessica Walters. So, or Jennifer I mean, Walters Je- yeah. <laughs> from Arrested Development. Yeah. <laughs> or that's Waters, right? <laughs> yeah. But I, like, so I love the fact that they just like steered right into it and made her and made Captain Marvel a beast. Mm-hmm. But I don't like just the art of She-Hulk in this. Mm Because it's not muscular. It's just huge. It's just like, why? With a little head. Like, Yeah, Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, that, I didn't, I didn't mind their She-Hulk in here because she still, she she still felt Hulkish, which is what she ultimately is supposed to feel like. You know what I mean? So I was, I was fine. Just visually, just visually. Like the way that the artist decided to to style her was like, in a weird way, it almost fueled the assholes online. Like we're having these conversations of like, hey, read the read the Jason Aaron run where she's kind of more muscular and hulked out because it's a story purpose. And their response was Lee's art of her as a house. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, come on. That's not it. It's not yeah. doesn't look like that normally. Stop it, please. Yeah. Yeah. I think the art is fine in this book. Um, it doesn't really grab me. It's not dynamic uh, in a way that really pulls me into the story. But I think it's serviceable. Um, that's my take on the art. Yeah, I I, I liked yeah, it, it for, the, for the most part. It, it was cool. It actually, when you were talking about how they doubled down on, on uh, her being, you know, her looks, and then you got the scene with her throwing up, it rem- that that whole bit you were just talking going on reminded me that oh yeah, that's right. She throws up in this in this book. And then so does someone else in another Marvel book. You know what yeah. I mean? So there's like almost like Marvel is like doubling down. Like, oh, we're not pretty enough? Well, here. Blah! Yeah. It's the, it's the ladies in vomit week. Exactly. For Marvel Comics. Yeah. All right. DC Killables number two. Written by Tom Taylor. Art by Carl Monster. Monster. Yeah. Monster. Oh, Monster. With the, with the world ending around them, Red Hood and Batgirl take shelter in the most unlikely place, an orphanage full of children. Will they be able to protect the kids from the impending hordes of the infected streaming out of Gotham City and Bloodhaven? And elsewhere, Deathstroke, Vandal Savage, and some of DC's worst villains battle the apocalypse out as an anti-suicide squad, but a certain 
wondrous woman may not let them have it their own way. Oh, God, I'm so glad I didn't read that before I read this issue. I know. The, the Wonder Woman reveal was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, guys, this, this I like this ad. issue a lot better than the last one. Uh, yeah. Uh, this ad in the beginning, that's for Gotham High. Did you guys see the like proposed animated series years ago that was essentially this? There was, oh. I've seen like some character designs from it, and it looked very similar to what this is. It just struck me as odd. Anyway, on to the book. <laughs> oh, tacos. No, no. Let's wait for him to chew. Let's wait for yeah. JD. Oh. JD is chewing tacos right now. JD, how are those tacos? Nod. And shrimpy. Ooh, shrimpy. Shrimp tacos? That would have been hard to convey with a nod. Um, um, uh, no, I like this a lot better than last time. I thought it was had, had some pretty funny bits. It had some pretty brutal bits. It had some surprises. I'm glad I kept reading it because the last issue I was not impressed with after reading Deceased Volume 1, which I really liked. Oh, okay. I was I I thought thought you deal with those spaceships, J.D., as somebody who Sorry. has read Volume 1. What? It's these, these ships leave Earth's atmosphere, and it's oh. like... At the end of at the end of the first series, the heroes that could make it out—it was actually in this book. Like there was a distress call that went out. If you're still available, yeah. if you're still alive, make it here, and we're going to ship out. Like the I end wasn't of sure that what series. point in that story because that could have been somewhere towards the middle too. They're essentially okay. saying that this the the first issue of this overlapped with deceased and you. now okay. still on Earth. Yeah, and I'm I'm assuming it will connect to. Um, deceased, what was it, Dead Earth that they just kind of announced? Uh, so, am, am I wrong? This is this is essentially just another injustice, which is a great thing. Yes. But that's pretty much what this is, right? Just like, like a dark world take. Where Tom kind of Taylor can do whatever the fuck he wants. Yep. Which I love. Does this remind anybody also of Frank Whiteley? The yes. Art? A little yeah. bit, yeah. Which I, I like it. I mean, it's good. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, man, uh, this... I'm sorry, this panel of um, Slade getting punched by uh, Solomon Grundy. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> I'm sorry, Len, what'd you think, bud? I, I thought nothing. I didn't read it. Cool. What'd you think of the cover? Len, how'd you like that cover? Uh, the, only reason, the only reason why I asked you is because I know that you like you love Injustice, right? I, I do like Injustice. Um, if, have, you read, have you read Deceased? I did I not read up, Deceased. I did I not read Deceased. I was you my copy. Can we find him a copy and send it to him? Please it's don't. It's good. It's drawn by Trevor Harrison. Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. I've read, I read a couple. I read a couple of issues of Deceased, and they were fun. Um, but ultimately, I just don't care. And okay. and this one, I definitely see the Frank quietly. I think I actually even said that in the the first one. Last one first one um and it looks kind of it, i mean it's 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 just okay but i mean oh my god wow she she really just uh ripped the dude in half um it's it's cool but i i, I don't care i just i just don't care and it's not that i wouldn't have read it because i know my job is to read these comic books for a spoiler alert jd so don't come down on me but i just didn't get around to this and it was definitely i was saving this for last and then we had to get ready to go so, I I I just I just I don't care. So, if y'all say it's great, God bless, rock and roll. But I'm I'd say it's enjoyable. I wouldn't say it's great. Right, it's not that amazing. Be, yeah, yeah. It's just although fun. this uh, the scene where you saw like, somebody getting ripped in He's half. On that borrowed is borrowed time. <laughs> what? 
Nothing. <laughs> uh, that is Vandal Savage, and I'm I'm wondering if he's coming back from that or not. Is that I would assume Getting so. Ripped in half? Right? I don't know. Yeah, he's Vandal Savage. But I did like how that was set up, where he's like, "I've been around for fifty three thousand years. Nothing surprises me." Mm-hmm. Oh shit! Wonder Woman's a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that was I, cool. I literally laughed uh, out yeah. loud. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought this was fun. Brutal, but fun. Indeed. And it's only got one issue left, so I'll read it. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's a good three. Yeah. Justice League number 43, written by Robert Venditti, uh, art by Doug Monkey. All secrets revealed. Caught in the Justice League's trap, the Eradicator reveals the truth hidden in his circuits. And as Superman confronts his past defeat, it's up to Wonder Woman to make a decision that will divide the team. The no-holds-barred war between the League and a murder machine with Superman's face concludes. Who writes these? Do they read the comics before <laughs> writing the synopsis? <laughs> What's the truth hidden in, in the Eradicator circuits? Do we know? What decision does Wonder Woman make that divides the team? In fact, <laughs> even... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm at a loss. Like, yeah, no, no, no team dividing stuff comes up. But I liked it overall. I thought it was a fun Justice League romp. For sure, I really enjoyed it, and the Doug Monkey art really, really helped. Yeah, um, I really love good. his artwork. I love him on Justice League. Anytime I can get him on a JL book, I'm excited. Mm. Um, but yeah, I like the way that they. Okay. For the most part, I like the way that they defeated the Daxamites who have almost the same powers as Kryptonians, and they are fueled by our yellow sun. My question, however, is that in the past, whenever Superman is not in the yellow sun, his powers diminish. They don't just turn off. Not always. No? I think it depends on the era. Some, I mean, definitely in the Silver Age, it was like, boom, immediately. Yeah. But that was the Silver Age. But... Yeah, I remember back in the day, there was a Superman versus Aliens crossover yeah, where and you saw Kara he... Zor-El what you saw a Supergirl at a time when Supergirl was like not to be mentioned in regular continuity oh I remember that was, yeah what I remember yeah. is he had an alien chestburster in his chest uh-huh. and because he was he was so far away from the earth's yellow sun it was slowly uh his powers were slowly disappearing and eventually that thing would be able to burst out of him mm. yeah. it wasn't like yeah so I think but he we're, wasn't we're under a red sun. Hmm? I mean, definitely, yes, they're playing, but they always do. But uh, he wasn't under a red sun in that situation, right? He was just away from the source of his powers. I always saw it as like the red sun radiation pushed out the yellow sun radiation. You know? Oh, because I thought this had no sun. Oh, is there no sun here? Oh, well then, yeah, no. It, a sunless alien book. world is what it's what it says. Oh yeah, all right, forget it. Let's stop talking about this comic. <laughs> it's dead to me. <laughs> it was dead to me a while ago. Oh, oh yeah. I okay. All right. <laughs> I, I I don't mean to be you know party pooper. Debbie here. Downer. I don't mean to be D- Debbie Downer, but this is Double another D. book. I read this book. I read this book, and I don't care. I just don't, I don't, I, I just, I, I, I certainly don't care about the Eradicator. He's one of the dumbest villains I've ever seen. You don't seen. like the Eradicator? No, I don't. Um, oh, oh uh, Lynn. 
Daxamites, it was kind of cool to bring in the Daxamites, but then ultimately you don't do anything with them. Really it's super interesting to me. Um, this, I, I know it was supposed to be just this big, fun romp. You've brought um, uh, Madame Xanadu in here for what? So that she can just be a teleporter. I mean, it's just really just like a, a, a bunch of nothing. I like Doug Monkey's art for the most part. Um, but there's something about as good as he is, there's something one, he can't draw Superman's S to save his life. I don't know what he's putting on his chest. Um, and it's then, a little more cartoony than it would, you know, it's like Max Fleischer style. But, but the thing is, is that it doesn't even match the rest of the art. It almost looks no, like, it, it, it almost looks like he said, here, son, now it's your turn. Draw the S because it does, <laughs> it does not look good at all. Um, and then how everything, how it just peters out at the end. I mean, I this just did nothing for me. This this was flat. Oh, I, I thought it was fun. I like, uh, I love Doug Monkey, but I, this is the first time I noticed that he wasn't being inked by Christian Alame. And it's it's not the same kind of like sketchy Stark that I like of his. Mm-hmm. Mm. I also, I also, um, I agree with Len. This is just fine. Uh, this did really did nothing for me. But, but to be completely fair, I'm on a Justice League hangover. I don't care <laughs> yeah. about Justice League right now. Now, I did think it was weird that, like, the Eradicator's deal is that he protects and preserves Kryptonian culture, right? right. So it makes sense that he would want to do that for Daxamites because they are descended from a colony of Kryptonians and that kind of thing, I think was stated even previously in this arc. Now, I think I missed the last issue, but he tried to get Wonder Woman's DNA. You know, like, what's his goal now? Is he just trying to make the strongest society? And I also, I was kind of surprised that Superman, when he takes Superman's blood... And then Wonder Woman kills him. I mean, on the cover, he seems very against that, which I expected him to be like, no, you know, he was going to he was going to preserve Krypton. But then he's, you know, he's just like, oh, yeah, good way to way to stab the eradicator. I didn't even <laughs> notice. I didn't even notice on the cover that he was like stopping the blade. That's how like it was fine. Uh, <laughs> like that, like the uh, the solicitation maybe was just written based off the cover. Right. I kind of wonder if they give them like if the art uh, writer gives them synopses like three yeah. months in advance or something. Um, yeah, it's yeah. probably you know I mean, before it's a it's... machine. Who cares if he gets stabbed? Well, he's well Superman so would. Own... Superman would because his whole deal is to preserve Kryptonian right. legacy. So Superman and he had would. just offered him his blood. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with Lynn, who was agreeing with me previously. So we, we're <laughs> so we're in agreement. <laughs> it's a human centipede of agreement. Yeah, I exactly. It's the, best the, the inside the other side, and it's you just got a, it. you got that right. Mm, I yeah, agree. Like you that. agree in the in the holes of the. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Brian. Yes. What oh, time wait. is it? Uh, it is time for me to point out the foible of why Batman doesn't believe in Taro when he was just transported to another planet by magic. Yeah. Well, my, my, favorite, my favorite part of that is um, they're having a little back and forth at the end after the adventure, and yeah. <clears throat> uh, Madame Xanadu hands him a tarot card that says judgment on it, and then Batman looks at it and he says judgment, and then 
Madam Xanadu says, ah, you know your arcana. <laughs> you just read the card you handed him. <laughs> no English. Yeah. I wonder if the artist was not supposed to write uh, oh, judgment baby. on the card and it was just supposed to be the the image. And he knew, he knew it was called judgment. But yeah, it literally just says, ah, judgment. Right. And why would he feel the need to read that aloud if he... <laughs> to go back to go back to Rob's question at the beginning of the show, that's some detective work right That there. is some serious detective. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, J.D., I think yeah. in answer to your earlier question, it's time for a thunder round. Hey, Len, what's a thunder round? Thunder round is where one of these guys has 60 seconds to describe a comic book that they read. They could describe it or they could, you know, give their opinions on it. We could do whatever. I could do whatever I want with that 60 seconds. That's true. It's they could talk about seconds. something totally different. This comic made me think of an old episode of Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, you're up, with, uh, you're up with Captain America, Avengers, Captain America right. number one. The one oh. that nobody else wanted to do. That's right. Here we go. All right. You ready? I am ready. Go. All right. So of the two Captain America comics that End came of out this week. <laughs> All right. I'll be good. Uh, um I, I didn't care for it, right? I mean, I know that it exists only because of the game. Uh, I presume, right, this is based on that game. And, you know, the costume is not great. I know that they had to change it because of, you know, it's for the game, and so they had to produce it. Uh, so I don't normally read Captain America. The fact that there were two out of them this week that I read is most unusual. I really enjoyed the other one. Did not care much for this one. By the end of it, I was a little interested to see, oh, this sets up maybe what the whole idea of the game or his thing in the game is, is that he's going to take it. Uh, he's going to take a lead from his old friend who was like an intelligence guy in World War Two. And in some way, I guess they weren't doing that before. I don't know. End, end of round. round. <laughs> it sucks that he could see it. Yeah, yeah. sorry. No, what are you going to do? I was trying to be entertaining for the viewer. Oh, it was well. entertaining. No, you're up with Plunge Number Two, written by Joe Hill and art by Stuart Immonen. Go. That's it for thirty seconds. No, um, I <laughs> I am not a giant horror comic fan. However, I am a huge fanboy for Stuart Immonen, and was like actually almost cried tears when he decided to retire for a short amount of time. So I was very very excited about this book. I did not read the first issue, but I read both of these together. Um. I had a lot of trouble with issue number one. I started and stopped it many times. It was very difficult to get through, even though the art was beautiful. The second issue was way better. Like, it was actually very, very interesting. You get a, a larger scope as to what's, uh, what's happening in this, in this, like, weird world, whether it's supernatural or biological or alien. I have no goddamn idea. However, I am kind of interested now. Um, because of the way the first issue hit with the second issue... I feel even more so that this probably reads better in trade, unfortunately. End of round! Nice. No. You said, unfortunately, this you think this reads better in a trade. Why do you say unfortunately? Uh, because if something is designed to read better in one format or over the other, and they maybe force a format on that, 
then I think that's an unfortunate situation. If this was supposed to read better as a long format uh, or OGN or maybe even the first issue being double-sized, awesome. But the fact that it's been two issues and I'm only now kind of getting a grasp or invested in the story, I think that's almost a slight failure of episodic comics, right? I always try to think of how many novels, like as sci-fi novels that I've read that were originally released as serialized thing, you know, just like a lot of the most famous ones. And it's so hard to imagine them not just being all available at once, like chapters of a book. Uh, but they did it. And I try mm -hmm. to like cut some slack where possible just I mean, for that purpose, you know. But but if you read those now with the hindsight of that, you can actually see where they would automatically kind of put a, hit, a cliffhanger or intentionally mm. kind of lead on to the next one. Whereas there's some issues, there's some issues of comics now that just straight up fucking end. Yeah. yeah. Batman's yeah. grave. I'm about to say. Yeah. Batman's yeah. Grave. yeah. Right. So, or, or they only get interesting in the last two pages because it was 20 pages of, of right, set, right. meaning mm -hmm. that, we did not plot this necessarily correctly for this format. We're just right. kind of squeezing it into it. Like, it's just, I'm not like, I actually love trade paperbacks and OGNs. And a, a lot of my problem with horror comics is that it takes like three issues to even know what the fuck is going on or to kind of get you invested. Cause it has to build tension, but how do you build tension and tell a story in that 22 much? issues? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think this would be better in a trade. Or okay. read the two issues together. I agree. Now may I continue? Please. Oh, cool. Thanks. Outlawed number one, <laughs> written by Eve L. Ewing and art by Kim Jacinto. Jacinto? Exploding Jacinto. from the pages of Incoming. In the wake of a devastating tragedy, the United States passes a law that will shake the Marvel Universe to its core. Again, I guess. The world has had enough of teen heroes. The crackdown has begun, and the lives of Marvel's next generation will never be the same again. All right, guys. Right off the bat, I'm sorry. I got to say it. Uh, I love these characters. I like the teen heroes of the Marvel Universe. I like the champions. Yeah. This is just Civil War. It's Civil War for kids. It's teen Civil War. I mean, not Civil for kids, War. but teen Civil War. But the thing is, I mean, honestly, Civil War makes sense. I know that Peter Parker is like irreproachably responsible guy because I'm not in that universe, but I could see the point of view of people walking around in the Marvel universe. Like, yeah, the guy that can shoot blasts out of his eyes. I'd like some safety from that. Yeah. Even more so with the teen heroes, you know, like oh, I'm I know not Miles saying Morales is great, yeah. but if I'm a regular person in the Marvel universe and I see these 15 year olds swinging around, shooting blasts mm -hmm. out of their hands, I'm going to be a little worried probably, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's perfectly reasonable. Um, and also, oh man, this art, I just could not get into. Oh, I love the art. Really? It's so, so kinetic. Oh, I love it. I everything's did not care moving, for it. Everything's moving and stretching. There's a lot of yeah. foreshortening. It's crazy. I, love I it. loved it until page two. Mm. I think he froze. There was a specific... Yeah, there's there's a specific splash page that I was just like, what? No, hang on. I liked it up until this. Ah, oh, there he is. Oh, I love that. It's so. Oh fun. yeah, it was not. Uh, you know what I mean? It's just not a style that I really took to. Mm -hmm. uh, not really a comment on the quality of. of I liked it up until this. Not a fan. It looks. It's got a little bit of James Heron in there, and. Um, Daniel 
Warren Johnson from um, Murder Falcon. A little bit of that. Um, Oh, but yeah, Brian, I'm not saying that the idea is faulty. I think that if you're living in the Marvel Universe, you 100% want kids to uh, be trained to use their powers or be responsible in some way. I'm just saying from a publishing initiative, we just did this year a couple years ago. Oh, no. I mean, for both reasons, but also that since I am on board with that, I think that's one reason I think the idea is faulty. It's like, what's the comic? You guys should stop doing this. Yeah. Like, there's this one scene where he's like, uh, Nova, I'm looking at now, where he's like, you know, let me make sure I get this. Kids every day are, you know, they have these bad things happen to them. They're dying from poisons of corporations and stress. And now you have a problem with us standing up for ourselves, for fighting back. It's like, yeah, in this way, yes. <laughs> like, you should definitely fight back in a different, less violent way. But... You know, I'm all for suspending disbelief and having teen heroes. I love them. But if it becomes the topic of the comic, then it becomes more and more indefensible, you know? I I uh, I, did, I agree with JD for 90% of this issue. The only thing that I really, really liked was the very end when you find out that it was named, like the, the statute mm. is named after Kamala Khan. Mm. Um, so you've got that weird... Um, uh, conflict of her being a part of the problem and the solution. Like they're naming it after her. She yeah. got hurt doing her Why job. Why is she injured? That though? is great. Well, she had a building fall on her. To is save she not? Lady. Are her powers not? Uh, she up could to just. That? She could just embiggen, meaning that she could like oh, spread okay. her mass around and okay. and increase density, but not like the vision can, where it's impermeable. Like she could still yeah. get overcome. She's not like squishy in this. You know what no. I mean? Like if right. it like falls on her. Okay, like Mr. Fantastic. No. no yeah. No. Okay. I see. I, I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked it for the most part. Um, the, the art was very kinetic, frenetic, and um, it took it took some getting used to. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's anything. I don't think. I don't think it's bad art. I don't know 100% whether or not it served the issue as well as it mm-hmm. could have, but um, I didn't mind it and I got used to it. Um, and it certainly, it certainly, the art style fits the, fits the, the age of the kids. Like, like kids, like the characters in this book would like this art style so so in that it, it it made sense and i was with it um and uh i don't think it's a book that i would return to super a, a whole lot a whole lot but i appreciated it for what it was it was it was it was fun yeah they've done this before the storyline yeah. sounds very similar to what has happened over the last maybe two or three times over the last 10 years but i mean that's comics, you know, and as yeah. our attention span gets smaller and smaller, that cyclical wheel is going to start spinning faster and faster. So it makes and sense. And Civil War, that's a good point, Len. I mean, Civil War seems very recent, but it actually was not that. It seems recent that's to us. That's true. There was a Civil War too, even more recently, and that was still like two or three years ago. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah. it seems like the exact same story yeah. <laughs> like know. oh kids because it was the new warriors mm-hmm. back then it was right. which I mean, they do pay pay homage to that or even hang a lantern on it where uh canem or what's his name uh speedball is yeah. 
uh, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I reference his Civil War. I forget in what way, but yeah. he's like, you don't want to try to fight against this. Hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious to see how it wraps up. Because, yeah, those kids should definitely um, be under lock and key for sure. <laughs> right. Robin, 80th anniversary special written by Marv Wolfman, Chuck Dixon, Tim Seeley, Tom King, Judd Winnick, James Tinian, and more. And then art by a bunch of people. Uh, DC Comics celebrates Robin the Boy Wonder's 80th anniversary in style with an all-star creative team representing each iteration of the iconic character across eight decades of history. This was a bucket of fun. I love Robin, man. Um, Mm. As much as I enjoy Batman on and off, I always like Robin. There's something about that character that I've always been, um, uh, I sort of was able to relate to. Um, He's the young, happy kid who's jumping around um, and having a good time while Batman's being all gruff and hanging out on gargoyles and shit. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I like all the Robins. Most of, you know, I like uh, Dick Grayson, um, Callie Kelly, Carrie Kelly. Kelly. I I didn't have a lot of experience with Stephanie Brown. Because I think she was only Robin for like three panels. Um, I'm about Robin <laughs> three thousand from that one Elseworlds. Oh, that shit was cool. Didn't read it. It was good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought this was a lot of fun. Uh, what did you guys think? I liked it. I agreed. I thought you know different stories were of different levels. I think this cover of all of the iconic you know anniversary things that have been coming out recently. Which cover? I think do you this. Have? Lee Weeks cover, the red cover. Yeah, the red one. It's great. You know, I mean, it's just like so iconically Robin, but in also an artistic. It's not just a straight uh, drawing of him, you know, because of the red fading into the background. I thought it was one of the best. Face is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like the first story. What's that? This was super fun. I'm just like in, in utter agreement. Yeah. That art on the last one, too, was really cool. Um, the or maybe not the last one, but no, I think it was the last one. The one that leads into whatever Damien Wayne's story is, yep. uh, was was really excellent. And they were each really good. They all encapsulated the Robin that they were about. It was very well done. Yeah, I miss Judd Winnick writing these characters. Yeah, he only does his like uh, creator owned all ages books now. I actually yeah. miss him doing the Batman book. He turned me around on Kyle Rayner. Too man, he did. Uh, yeah, he did some real cool Kyle. Ray- that was the original like Power of Ion stuff, and uh, he upgraded his ring, got a new costume. It was good. It was a good storyline yeah. for other reasons than that too. <laughs> Land, did you read this? I did read Robin, uh, the mm. 80th anniversary issue. I did read it indeed. Yes, I did. Excellent. Cool. What All did right. Other guys think about? <laughs> about it. Yeah. Nothing to say about it. No, I, I liked it. I liked it for the most part. Um, some of the stories sound like they were telling stories that I've seen, but I've read before. So this mm-hmm. is this is their version of, you know, um, you know, the reason why Batman and, and Dick Grayson split up, you know, and now, you know, they whitewashed it a little bit. So now Batman actually like, you know, was kicking him out of the nest a little bit as opposed to just being a straight up jerk. Um, so they've changed that storyline a little bit. Um, uh, I like the Jason story, even though it felt very much like a Dick Grayson story, but it also felt like it was a shame because he only got one story. Um, mm-hmm. like, like, I mean, Stephanie getting one story makes sense. Jason only getting one story. That's kind of weak. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, he got like, he got like one and a half. Dick though. 
He gets one and a, he gets one and a half because no, Jason gets like one and a half because he's he's a big part of Tim's story. Yeah, but they're all in Tim's story, so that's not so. Again, and 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 one and a fourth. Well, I I didn't I, I you know like Jason. <laughs> I felt like I felt that Jason's story could have been more investigating his feelings as as Red Hood, you know, right. as opposed to him just remembering the times that he had yeah. with Batman. Um, so I thought that that might have been a nice little twist on his his robin let's see what he really went through not just you know this old happy go lucky when i was robin you know Wait, when i was what 12 if we, years old what if i spin it to you like this line that since this is the robin 80th anniversary we've got a story about how something of him as robin survives even now you know because he he was fixing the watch and i think he ne- he didn't quite get it fixed until you know now Recently. he's in the red hood he's an adult you know so it's kind of like there is still an element of that. And now okay. that I've said that, that's, you love it. That's, yeah. <laughs> and now that you've said that, you 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 too have, has, have cleaned this up. Nice done. Um, it, it, I'm sorry. Everything I've known is wrong now. The art in it is not bad. Some of the stories are, are, are pretty cool. Actually, of all the stories, I think the one that I, I liked the most was um, I liked... Uh, Tim's story. I like Tim. You know, I guess maybe yeah. it's, maybe it's the Brandon in me, but Tim is just really comes off as like Dick Grayson says, "You're the smartest one." You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And I like yeah. figured it out. And I liked yeah. his story when he's talking to the 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 uh, the counselor. You know, he's just trying. You know, like yeah, I've done all of these things, but how do you dramatize that in school? You can't really. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so. I'm- I, I kind of I, I I like that one most of all, and even then he, for some reason, as much as I liked it, I'm still looking at the artist depiction as like he still looks a lot like Dick Grayson. Like they all look like Dick Grayson. Batman yeah, definitely has a type, you know. Batman, what I mean? Red, J- Jason Todd used to be a redhead before the um, mm-hmm. crisis, right? Yep, yep. They even they, there he was had a to Greg die in black. Yeah. Um, was he though? Was he actually that, or is that a retcon? No, like, did they didn't draw him as that? No, ori- then, did they? no. Originally, he would dye his hair black. A couple of times he didn't, but he would dye his hair black, and then they retconned that he was basically a Dick Grayson clone, like everyone. Oh, else. that I didn't realize. It. I thought dyeing his hair was like a Grant Morrison, like crazy gritty twist kind of thing. No, I seem to remember uh, it like one of those older books as well. It was it was that. him it was him repurposed like Grant Morrison repurposing like an old. Right, uh, right. Thing. But um, uh, Len, the fact that like you mentioned the the Tim Drake story, I I looked behind me because I think I still have the trades of Adam Beechin's run with Freddie Williams the Third, of all that amazing Tim Drake stuff. I think it was like Tim Drake wanted or Robin wanted or something mm-hmm. like that. That was that was my favorite Tim Drake stuff, and I actually missed that. So reading it here was great, even though the coloring and art style is a lot different than it was back in those books. Right, but it was still really great. I, I do miss Tim Drake as Robin. Yeah, and I, I miss him being his own thing. Me too. Yeah, yeah. It's see, Damien's cool, but I think I like Tim better as Robin, and they can't be Robin at the same time. You know what I mean? But Damien's not going to go off and be something else. So it kind of feels like, how do you bring Tim Drake back to being Robin, but still have Damien? I only like Damien in regards to Super Sons. Other than that, he, yeah. he can go away. 
And he could also not be right. He could be like, hey, Dad, I'm going to go uh, be something else yeah, for I a while. Drake. Well, I do yeah, I'm to... surprised they didn't touch on Drake. Yeah. Uh, well, is that just gone now? Because he was in one of his stories. He's like, oh, it's good to be back here in the old costume. You know? No. Like, yeah, but that takes place when, takes right place. before Detective Comics Rebirth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think oh, it's, did it? It, yeah, it's, yeah, that takes place uh, back in time. Yeah, yeah Clayface That's team. a shame. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I think well. he's still. I think he's still. Dra- to uh, to your point about Damien, um, I do like him. He's in Teen Titans, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I do like him in there. Yeah, yeah, that's a fun book. Yes, it is. Spider Woman number one, written by Carla Pacheco, art by Pere Perez. Whether it's hunting scrolls or taking down Hydra, Spider Woman's adventures have made her a favorite of readers for decades. The enigmatic Avenger has always been as mysterious as she is fearless, and her latest series opens with her not feeling quite herself. Um, yeah, Noel's holding it up. It's a really nice Chip Kid die-cut cover, okay. uh, which, while is cool, does not tell the person looking on the shelves what the book is. Not at all. Not Good at point. all. Yeah, hey, if that they was, just flip it that around. Was the front, yeah, that would be great. But that as the cover of your comic book? No. <laughs> But is it intriguing? Uh, Would you, you know, maybe it's like, all right, check it out, see what it is. Maybe I'll pick it up, take a look at it. Yeah, Um, yeah, this is another one that I don't have a lot of experience with Spider-Woman, Jessica Drew. Um, When she shows up, I think she's cool. I like her as Jessica Jones' friend. Um, I like their friendship together. And this, I thought, is off to a good start. She's sort of, I don't know, raging out a little bit. She's like being way too violent. She's not feeling like herself. She feels queasy and sick. And then uh, at the end, she's vomiting out of her eyeballs, which is kind of cool. <laughs> I know. Uh, I like that. Yeah. A lot of vomiting, This women vomiting this week. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's off to a good start. Uh, my question is, um, I, what do you guys think about the new costume? Oof. Because <laughs> I liked the last costume where she had a zip-up motorcycle jacket yes. and the shades. Yes. I, thought that I, don't, was I don't remember that oh. one. Um, it was the one that they did soon after they gave Barbara Gordon a new outfit where Uh, she has like, so they did the same thing with Jessica drew and now it's back to being like, um, a giant boob sock spandex. Yeah. yeah, It's also like, I don't think it's a very visually appealing costume for one Two, it has the, it's clearly Spider-Man stuff, which she doesn't Mm -hmm. usually do. Like she's not. Never really, so other than the name, she's not associated with Peter Parker. Um, so that's weird. And then when you ultimately find out that she went to get this costume so that she can do some stuff that isn't maybe what her superhero identity would do, well, then why have it look almost exactly the same? That's exactly. Like, have similar design elements. Exactly. You know? Right. So, Wait, yeah. She, uh. she went and got it because it was a different type of... Wait, why did she not? Her, did she her, get... her, her whole deal was she didn't feel right going out um, and not being a superhero. But oh, if freelance. She, yeah, if yeah, she didn't feel like, like she going charging up, money. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, going out for yeah. hire underneath yeah. her regular garb. So she needs some, something different. Um, but but then still, then why do you go under, like to, to B's point, basically the Spider-Man aesthetic. You know what I mean? Right. Right. You're like, hey, I'm going to charge money for stuff. Why don't I use this other guy's look? <laughs> so people think it's Peter that's up to no I mean, good. to be fair, who's, it's really just webbing, right? Who is yeah. this? Art Germ? Yeah, oh, so. I think so. So when uh, the new costume version of this cover, I absolutely despised it. I think the, <laughs> the, the costume is 
awful. Mm. In the context of the story, uh, Pere Perez's art, I don't mind it. It's fine. I don't, don't think it's the worst costume yeah. ever. I, I think it makes more sense than her original costume, which was just yellow and black and red and didn't have any spider motif whatsoever. So That's at least... true. It's cool, though. It's a cool-looking costume, <laughs> the yellow and black and red. Yeah, yeah I like that. It depends I, I on the artist. It. But, yeah. uh, well... I guess it depends on the art, artist. For the most part, I've always liked her her original costume. But to your point, no, the reason why you like this is because of the art. The art is fantastic in this book. This yeah, book is, I love it. is I love a it. bucket of fun. From the art, from the writing, everything about it is just, just a fun, fun read. And to, like you said, JD, when we read that old Spider-Woman, when she, it's, it's not old, but it's the older one of this, um, when she had the zip-up jacket and she was kind of like, uh, she was almost, I don't know if she was a private investigator or a detective going out on adventures or something like that. But we, I remember reading that saying, oh, this is fun. This is cool. Um and seeing her return to like the whole spandex, I'm like, all right, are they? What are they going to do with Spider Woman? They're going to make her fun. Lo and behold, they've they've made her made her fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I enjoyed it. If um, reading it, and I saw you read the cover and you see Pacheco, I'm expecting a totally different style. I'm expecting like mm -hmm. Carlos when I open it up. And I say, oh, oh, wait a minute! It's not, it's not Carlos. And and Car this Pacheco actually wrote the book. Oh, and yeah. it's Carla Pacheco. All right, I'm here. I'm with it. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm with. Yeah, I, I thought it was with fun. everything with it. Uh, I yeah. I I enjoyed it. I even I even enjoyed the low, the seemingly low stakes <laughs> of the story. That it's mm. she's being this bodyguard for this girl. You know what I mean? Um, I. I I liked it. I liked it a lot. It this was a boy, funny. right? But anyway, yeah, it's like the world's richest it guy. It was a girl. Was it a girl? Yeah. Was yeah. having a birthday party? Right. It seems to be. Yeah. I forget the yeah. name of the person, but yeah. But yeah. No, I, I like that too. She's just hiring out her as security mm -hmm. on, a, on, a, on a yacht for a birthday party. And uh, people keep trying to kidnap this kid. Yeah, multiple unrelated groups. Yeah. There was, there was, a, lot of, there was a lot of like... Uh, not so subtle commentary that was just really funny in this book too. Like the the kid dressed up like Daredevil or sorry, like Deadpool. Deadpool. It's a prick like Deadpool. Right. <laughs> and best, she just does not she gives no shits about it. Just like throws him off the boat. The best bit it, best bit bit in the book yeah. is when she literally throws him into the villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know Carla Pacheco, but I'm, this is a good first issue for me. I've I've never read her before. I loved this issue. This was really fun. This this was close to my like favorite thing read this week because I was just surprised. It was literally nice. it, it easily my the favorite thing this week for me. Uh, now this is the other book that I had mentioned earlier where the backup I liked more than the than the original. Here's really? the main story. She just yeah. went and got a costume, dude. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Brian likes know. fashion. <laughs> yeah, you know Brian I likes fashion. For superhero fashion. Uh, I don't know what it, maybe I didn't like it. it I, I was not as taken with the first story as you guys were. Okay. Um, so yeah. maybe just when I transitioned to this, I was like, oh, cool. You know, this mm -hmm. is different. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'd check out, I'd check out issue number two. I'd see well, where the will. story is developing. Oh, what will I? Is will. this set in stone? All right, I'm in. I'm ready to go. Nice. Well, I'm not ready because it's not out yet, but no, I'll read it. Just, no, just <laughs> hold your breath. Hold your breath yes. for... Two to four weeks. Not sure yet, but just hold it. 
Uh, no, you can breathe. Thank you so much for joining on this episode of Spoiler Alert. I've been Johnny Destructo. With me this week was Noel. Hi. Brian. It's Brian. And Len. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to help out the show, please go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. One of my Patreons this week went from $2 to $5, so thank you very much. Uh, if you want comic books, I'll mail them to you. You can you can email us at cultpopgo at gmail.com. And uh, that's it. I hope everyone stays safe, stays healthy, stays indoors. Um, and we'll talk at you later. I'm going to the store. <laughs> Damn it! Endure <laughs> the stores. See you. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah.